0: That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to
1: another episode of the In The Pen Podcast. I am your host, Cal Nelslug. I'm back after a brief hiatus, and we have a lot of news come back. This free agent market this offseason has been something that has been pretty exciting. We've all had some up and down emotions. I, as a Yankee fan and feeling great, Jake, on the other hand, is a Giants fan. I think we all know how he's feeling. It's been a uh, been fairly rough. And then there's Rick with the Red Sox been a similar boat. So it's nice to be on the high note for once on this podcast. But guys, it's good to be back. Welcome back. Um, how are you guys doing so far?
2: Yeah, it's good to be back and talking more, more baseball and getting ready for the holiday season and yeah, it's it's been it's been tough. I, I can't say I've, you know, enjoyed this off season as a Red Sox fan, but um hopefully maybe it means that there's going to be some bigger changes down the road that can help, you know, shift the momentum here.
3: Honestly, at this point, I I think I'd rather have the Red Sox off season than the off season the Giants had. <laughs> uh, it's been pretty disappointing. I think I'd rather not sign anybody then be tricked into <laughs> the idea of signing the top two free agents so yeah it's been a uh, pretty disappointing for me i think right now i'm on vacation on on the hawaiian island so i think that's the only thing keeping me sane right now but i'm sure as soon as i return home tomorrow it's going to be <laughs> the the emotions are all going to start flowing in so yeah it's been uh, not the ideal off season but hey fingers crossed we get otani next year
1: Yeah. And but first off, thank you, Jake, for joining us from Hawaii. You really didn't have to take time off of your vacation to talk fantasy baseball and talk your Giants horrible offseason with us. But we appreciate you joining us to give us that insight for that. But we'll be the first to say, you know, with the holidays coming up, happy holidays to everybody listening. We hope you guys have a very enjoyable time with your family, friends, however you are celebrating it. And before we get into the baseball talk, a lot of podcasts do that. But I am curious uh, we'll do a very quick, what is your guys' go-to uh, holiday music at this time, holiday movie? What's kind of a tradition you guys go through over the next couple of days now with the holidays right right on the corner?
2: Oh, Jake, you're going to have to answer that one first. I've uh, got to think about this
3: one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm Jewish, so I don't really celebrate Christmas as... Most people do like we I do presents with my family on that, but we we celebrate Hanukkah a lot more religiously than than Christmas. So for me, I I, obviously I I enjoy Hanukkah more for the spiritual aspect that that goes with it. But I think the, the way that I always tend to celebrate this time of year is by listening to holiday music. There's not too many Hanukkah songs to go around. So I always indulge in pentatonics. Holiday music, and <laughs> that's uh that's the only holiday music I listen to. I love Pentatonics. I've loved them for like ten years or so. Uh, People definitely have mixed opinions on that, but I, I yeah, I love. As soon as it hits December, I'm like, finally, I can stop skipping these songs when I shuffle all my songs, <laughs> and I just listen to only Pentatonics for a few weeks.
1: I can't say I've listened to too much of that. I'm your standard guy from New Jersey, we're Bruce Springsteen fans here, so mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen's "Santa Claus is Coming to Town" is a must listen to at some point during the holiday season. I'd say it's probably my favorite holiday song, just based on my the New Jerseyness in me. I don't know if people if I had that accent, but people could tell. But yes, that's that is where I'm from, so that would be my go to song It's usually played at least a few times during that during this time of year.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. That's one of the ones I was thinking of. Yeah, any of those like kind of classic, you know, Bruce Springsteen, John Lennon's um, "This Is Christmas," and uh, uh, what's the other one? "Wham"? Wonderful Last Christmas, Christmas time. One. No, right? Wonderful too? Christmas time. Yeah. Oh Wonder- no, that's Christmas Paul McCartney. Time. Sorry, that's McCartney. But yeah, that's, that's like all those. You know, that's a good that's a good mix. I'm not a huge holiday music fan After I did work a little bit in, you know retail for a while, so I heard that, heard that all the time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's 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 nice, and I don't know. I, I guess I'm not. I don't know. I don't think I have another. I don't have a movie either. I'm trying to think. Um,
1: yeah, I don't have like a, a standard one, but for me, it's I guess Elf would be the the go-to. Yeah, Just a, uh, one that makes me laugh. Home, Elf and Home Alone probably. But honestly, I haven't gotten too too into it this year. I haven't watched a lot of Christmas or holiday. Movies haven't lost, listened to a lot of holiday music, but I'm sure over in the next two or three days I will get my fair share of it.
2: Yeah, same. It's kind of creeped up, I feel like this year. Yeah. Um yeah, it's right around the corner now.
1: Yeah, so we'll d- we'll dive into enough about the holiday talks. We'll talk about these MLB teams who have gotten their own presence under a tree based on the reliever moves. Obviously there's been bigger more impactful moves in terms of the fantasy industry for position players, but we're of course the reliever centric podcast, so we're going to dive through some of the latest reliever moves, kind of talk about how that impacts your saves holds. Kind of where the very early where it would slot in just some general rankings for saves towards the higher ed guys, and then we'll get more deeper into the rankings over the next couple of months as we start getting closer to draft season. So let's get ourselves some news. We'll start with our resident. Uh, Red Sox fan, Rick, with the probably the biggest reliever move so far in terms of dollar amount, Kenley Jansen signs a two-year $32 million deal with the Boston Red Sox. Kind of shocked me if the landing spot, just in the fact that the Red Sox have like talked about had this very confusing offseason where they're adding an impact closer, but losing their impact bat. I was a little shocked, a little confused, but hey, we get somewhere where he's going to be a locked in for sure saves candidate. So Rick, kind of give me your general thoughts about where you're in the early mindset ranking Jansen, how you're viewing him, uh, is he as safe as we kind of think he is at this point?
2: Yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, I think this is a pretty good landing spot for him, all things considered. I, I don't think it was a sure bet that he was going to you know, end up somewhere where he was going to be a lot like the the for sure closer. So, yeah, landing in Boston, who... They could finish last in this division again, but I think they're still, even with all the, you know, the losses to with Bogarts and J.D. Martinez and of all day, um, yeah, I, I still think they're gonna win seventy plus games, and Jansen should be there to close them out. Um, I'd say I think I have them right now around the top twelve range in that twelve around that twelve spot, um, give or take one. I think that's that's that seems about right even with like a bit of a decline last year and he is getting up there in age, but he's still, you know, coming here, there shouldn't be any, you know, the pressure shouldn't get to him. He, he's pitched in big markets before he, uh, he, he seems like a good option. So um, probably a safe, you know, ideally a safe, you know, second closer, or if you want to wait and he, and, and he's still sticking around on the board as your first closer, that, that, that makes sense too. But Um, yeah, I I think overall it's a, it's a solid, you know, place landing spot for his, his value.
1: He seems to me like one of the last for sure save guys as you start kind of getting lower down, you have those committees. I, I do think I will probably have a few shares of Kenley just kind of based on that perspective of him being the last, uh, Guy who you're almost confident is going to be the number one closer. But Jake, we'll move over to you. How do you think this impacts the rest of the Red Sox bullpen? Obviously we know that he's the going to be the guy, but if you're looking for holds out of Boston, we have a couple starters, relievers. Where do you see, you know, guys like Tanner, how Garrett Litlock? do they make the move? Who's the next guy up? How do you kind of play out the rest of this, uh, you know, the Boston bullpen at this point?
3: I think this move definitely solidifies the bullpen. It takes a lot of pressure off the rest of the team. We saw last year for the majority of the year they really struggled to find an identity throughout all the the, the teams because it, or all of the the members of the bullpen it, it was it was hard for them to pitch well not knowing what their roles were. So I think with Jansen there it's not Going to be up in the air. Who's going to be the closer all year? We know who it's going to be, and so I don't think the rest of the team has to worry about like, oh man, am I going to be called upon to be the closer at some point, or like, do I have the closer stuff? Like, I want to be the closer. I'm working on that kind of stuff. Now they just be be who they are and uh, let Jansen take over the ninth inning. I think the the next men up are probably going to be John Schreiber and somebody we'll talk about later and Chris Martin. That should be. The The best options you have there, I think this takes a lot of pressure off Matt Barnes as well, who's always been seen as like the current closer, but he's really been struggling. So I think without the pressure of having to close ninth innings in the future, then he can sort of focus on improving. I think with Houck, I th- I hope that they move him back into the rotation and sort of just let it ride there for a while. I wouldn't say the rotation is super stacked right now. Paxton, James Paxton is projected to figure into the rotation right now and they're still relying on Brian Bayo as well so I I think he should be a member of the rotation it's not super strong so I I don't know I I just don't think they should keep yanking him back and forth there but I think this really just solidifies a bullpen that has really lost its identity over the last few years and actually had some strong points with the addition of Schreiber last year and and how can Whitlock sort of carrying them last year so I think this is a really good spot for him to go because he'll be you know, locked in there as the closer. I, I think what brought up his value last year was playing for one of the best teams in baseball. So he had lots of save opportunities. I think he'll have. I don't want to say quite a few less, but he'll definitely have less playing for the Red Sox. But at least he's you know the clear cut closer out there.
1: So move over to one of our other, uh, I guess, favorite candidates for saves. Like you said, the reliever market doesn't have those uh, as big of names this offseason outside of Kenley Jansen. But we did see David Robertson sign a one-year, $10 million deal with the New York Mets. Obviously, we know he's not going to be the closer. he's That's going to fall onto with uh, onto Diaz. But do we think that David Robertson slots into that eighth inning role that's now vacant based on the losses of Seth Lugo and Trevor May, who we'll get into also in a little bit. Do we think David Robertson just uh, jumps right in? And if he does, is he one of the higher uh, set up men in in terms of uh, value for holds,
2: yeah he's gonna be either the seventh or eighth inning guy there now that they also brought back Ottavino. um but those two those two thirty <laughs> seven year olds are gonna be relying on to uh to bridge the gap to to edwin so um and they got brooks raley who they, they traded yeah. for to get lefties out, so that group right there is probably gonna be your your favorites for holds along with you know david peterson and drew smith getting a few here and there um but yeah i i think robertson's probably giving i mean 10 million dollars uh, i think he's going to be the eighth inning guy to start and potentially uh as they as we kind of saw as the season went on last year with diaz working some some like eighth inning you know situations to uh you know face the heart of the order so robertson could fall into some sneaky you know deep league saves um value if the if the Mets continue to use Diaz in a you know and more of a high leverage late inning guy instead of just pure ninth inning closer role
1: yeah so move over to you Jake with the next guy we'll stick in the NL East the next guy on our list Matt Strom signs with the Philadelphia Phillies on a two-year 15 million dollar contract it's some nice money we saw the Phillies do a lot of mixing and matching in terms of their back end we'll obviously get into their uh their back end at the at some point during later into 2023 as to we think will be impacting for save but do we think Matt Schram based on the you know seven and a half million per year can he find his way into that save conversation or do you think he's more of a guy we will trust for holds getting the ball to whoever ends up as the Philly closer?
3: Yeah, I don't think he's going to be factoring into saves. I was very surprised to see him get that much money. I don't think he was on my list of the top free agents this year, but he's being paid like one of the top free agent relief pitchers. So that was pretty crazy to see him sign for that much. I think he's a really solid reliever. I don't want to say he's one of the best out there, but he seems like a guy that's going to pitch in the mid threes to low fours ERAs, which is completely fine. And he's found a way to start striking out more batters, which is cool. So maybe they see some way to get more out of him from a potential perspective but i don't know he doesn't strike out a ton of guys he doesn't he's not like limiting the walk super well i I don't he doesn't like excite me a bunch and i like some of the other pitchers in that bullpen i trust sir anthony dominguez a lot more i think he's going to be getting the majority of the save opportunities if not all of them and i think alvarado is probably the next man up but the rest of that bullpen is pretty light there's nobody else there that gets me going like I, i don't think i look at andrew Bellotti or or Connor Brogdon or Sam Coonrod and think, oh man, better watch out, Sir Anthony, like they're they're coming for your job. So I think Strom's probably the number three guy there. They could even afford to add another person to that bullpen. But right now I think um, Strom is probably not going to figure into any saves. Okay. So we'll take a quick
1: break. When we get back, we're going to dive into some of those former Mets we talked about, their big uh, moves, and whether or not they will find their way into Save Can moving forward. But we'll jump into them in just a few moments here on the uh, In The Pen podcast.
0: Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes. But the problem is managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com to sign up for your trial today. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss.
1: All right, we're back here on the In The Pen Podcast. As you know, I am Callen, joined with Jake and with Rick. And we're going to get into some of those former New York Mets. We talked about uh, Seth Lugo and Adam Adavino, Oh, and Trevor May in terms of where they currently... We know Adovino's back with the Mets. We talked about him a little bit before. But we'll start with Seth Lugo. And Rick, he was one of the more interesting names in free agency. As we just thought, he would jump right back in as a, a reliever. Right? going. He was great in the pen. And that he would just find his way to be in a setup, man. But it sounds like the Padres are going to sign him to be a starter. It sounds like he finds his way in the position. Do you think that kind of sticks? Do we see uh, Lugo as a starter the rest of the way? Do you think he finds his way into the back end of the Padres bullpen down the road? What's your kind of... Uh, how are you viewing Lugo going into 2023?
2: Yeah, it looks like right now he's the favorite for that fifth rotation spot. I mean, he he and Nick Martinez, who Martinez is another guy who... Made some starts last year, but he was really better in the bullpen. Um, that's who they have right now, listed as their fourth and fifth starters. And I'm a little surprised. I don't know why this obsession of Seth Lugo moving to the rotation is is what it is. Because he's just a, he's a really good reliever. Who just because he has five, you know, a five pitch mix doesn't mean he has to, you know, they don't you have to stretch him out and have him go five or six innings. I think there's there's all, there's more value in him as a even with I mean, what he's getting paid right now, that seems like fair market value for him as a reliever. Um, so I, I think, you know, at least they're, they're going to try him out in spring training as a starter, but I could see them, I could still see them adding another starter and, um, you know, moving Lugo back into the bullpen because right now it's their bullpens a little bit light after their top three or four guys. And, that fourth guy being you know, Drew Pomeranz coming off, you know, he didn't pitch at all last year, so it gets really light after Suarez, Luis Garcia, and Josh Hader. So I could definitely see see Lugo ending up in the in in the, in the bullpen, but as a starter, yeah, I, I I don't I don't think I would chase that, and I would just hope that in a holds league you you get a chance to pick him up as a as a reliever.
1: And the next former Met I want to talk about kind of shocked me in terms of where he landed and kind of money-wise. He had a poor 2020-22 season, but he signs a one-year deal with the Oakland Athletics for $7 million. And that is Trevor May, which seems in my mind to be the largest contract in Oakland Athletic history based on their recent spending. So (laughs) the fact that they spent that money, Jake, do you kind of share that same mindset as me? Does Trevor May just kind of jump right in? And is he the favorite for saves now in Oakland for how little saves are going to get?
3: I think there's multiple reasons for them to put May as the clear-cut closer out there. I think not only would it be smart for them to do that, because I think May might have the highest potential in that bullpen. I think AJ Puck's really good, and they had a couple guys out there, Danny Jimenez and Domingo Acevedo, close out games last year, but... I think May has shown in the past, I think it was like the five years before this past season, he was one of the most reliable relievers out there, always pitching to a low threes ERA. He was striking out a lot of batters as well. And this past season, 2022 was sort of marred by injuries. And so I think it's hard to ding him on that because not only does a small sample size make it easier for you to have a ERA that's hard to look at, but if you look at his underlying metrics as well, it would. In line with all of his previous seasons and i think the second reason that they want to have him in there as the closer is because they probably made this signing knowing that they're going to look to trade him at the deadline and if you make him the closer you know he's in he's on everybody's radar as one of the better relievers if he's racking up save numbers and i mean from a fantasy perspective that'll make him even more popular among the fantasy baseball people so i think it'll be smart for them to make him the closer because they'll be able to get a pretty solid return at the deadline. And then hopefully he can sign a multi-year deal next off season. I don't think he's going to be somebody that's going to be super exciting to draft just because he's going to be on the A's. But I think as a guy that seems to be the closer for multiple reasons, I think that would give me you know some confidence to draft him next year, and the fact that if you look at his under underlying numbers, not a lot has changed from the previous years. And you know the A's aren't awful at pitching development; they're actually pretty solid. I think he could actually have a really good year, and then you know lose all of say, all his save opportunities at the deadline. So if I'm like looking forward, if I were to draft him uh, at some point this offseason. I would probably keep him on my team for a couple months, have him be one of the top closers in baseball with my fingers crossed, and then trade him off before he gets traded and loses his closer role because I doubt he's going to end up as another competitor's closer.
1: Yeah, We'll stay out West too, and I would completely agree. And similar to what I said with uh, Jansen, I feel like Trevor May may be someone that I have a few shares of going this season just because of what you said, that he's going to be undervalued, he pitches for Oakland, but to me, like you said, he does make the most sense to get the saves out there, so I'll take those saves, however f- few they are. Um, but another name that I want to we should bring up out West. And Rick, you might even be able to answer, which you'd rather have this guy or Trevor May. And that's Carl Estevez. He signs a two year, 13 and a half million dollar deal with the Los Angeles Angels. He's had some crazy home road splits between his time with the Rockies. Now he goes out West to the Angels where that bullpen is another one where we don't know who the closer is. So is he someone that we should keep on our radar now? Is he t- kind of become the favorite for saves for Los Angeles what is your take now? If the Angels pen is Estevas uh, someone, if he is the leader, you're looking to draft.
2: I think he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. I don't. I would take. Uh, I would definitely. I'd be going with May over Estevas right now, as things stand, because May looks like he's got a more of a clear cut path to to saves as really the only reliever there that's you know making money or has any sort of real. Uh, he doesn't even have closer experience, but he's just you know the veteran in the room. Uh, the, the the Angels still have. I mean, Jimmy Herget was okay in the closer role last year. He, he Probably he didn't do anything to lose the job, but I'm sure between him and Estevez, and even possibly if Ryan Teper can turn things around, um, that kind of you know complicates things there. And while I I, I was I was excited for where he uh, Estevez would line would, would wind up. I don't think a- a- the Angels are the best place because I mean they just haven't done a great job with when it comes to you know pitcher development so far and you know I don't know if they're going to be able to maximize his skill set but uh, they things could change there I mean there's there's a great there's great tools here to work with with you know high, upper nineties fastball slider that should be getting more whiffs than it does and. Um, but I just need to see some see some sort of like signs of change or signs of you know development here before taking a shot in most standard leagues,
1: yeah, he is someone like I said, keep on your radar he's 'cause his k to block rates are just insane considered a split between uh, on the road and in Colorado, so I'm monitoring him pretty closely and If he has an impressive spring, if he still has that stuff, Mm. I think he he has that the strikeout numbers and everything that makes him an intriguing name in fantasy. But uh, once again, I'll be taking some late shots on if he's uh, depending on where the ADP is. uh, If people continue to kind of sleep on him, he doesn't get that uh, that jump because of being in a committee. I'll take some uh, take some shots of him with the Angels. But next guy on our list got some good money. with your Boston Red Sox wreck, but Jake, uh, Chris Martin, two years, thirteen and a half million dollars. You mentioned him before. He'll work his way kind of into holds for Boston. But is there anything else you really, you know, that's worth mentioning with uh, with Chris Martin to see someone in a holds league? You you might want to take a, a shot on where. What do you think about where do you stand on him?
3: I've always been a fan of Chris Martin, not only because he shares the name of a band that I'm fond of, fond of in Coldplay, <laughs> but, uh, I, I think I am a, my favorite stat in baseball is the strikeout to walk right. And that is where he excels the most. I think that's just a great indicator of somebody that has current success and will have future success on both the batting and pitching side. And Chris Martin has been one of the poster boys for that, uh, Path to success. He strikes out a lot of guys. He walks absolutely nobody. I think the only thing that keeps people from liking him is not only did he break out pretty late in his career, but he's also old now, so he's in like his late 30s. I don't think anybody's like, oh, this guy's going to have a crazy season, but like I've said, the Red Sox don't have one of the most reliable bullpens. They don't have a ton of options out there, and if Hauk ends up in the rotation, they have even fewer options, so I think if he is the number two guy there, or even the number three guy, he's going to have really great ratios and provide a lot of strikeouts and in saves plus hold leagues I think he's going to be racking up the holds and will probably be the next guy up if Jansen has to take a day off. So I think there is some viability for him being fantasy viable, but I think there are obviously better options. I think he's going to be more of like that the second tier or third tier. I just think he's going to be very reliable unless for some reason like with age his arm just falls off, which is very possible with his with his age. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of season he can turn in. As long as he continues to do what he's done in the past, I'm going to be pretty interested in adding him to some of my teams that fit the bill.
1: Yeah. Rick, we'll move over to you for the next guy, and that is Tommy Canely. Two years, $11.5 million with my New York Yankees as a Yankee fan. The guy's a maniac. His changeup's awesome. He was a fan favorite during his time in New York. I'm happy to have him back. But in terms of fantasy, probably a name that we. Won't have to mention up because he just joins a crowded back end of the New York Yankees bullpen. But maybe for holds, am I missing something with Canely or is that kind of your uh, your mindset with him?
2: No, that sounds about right. I definitely, I'm a big uh, Kaneley fan. I think as long you know health's going to be an issue with him when we talk about him, but as long as he's healthy, he's going to be an under under the radar probably you know sleeper um, option for all. all of you in holds leagues because His change I mean other than Devin Williams he probably has the bet, the Second best change up in, of all relievers In baseball so uh, some Someone who Is and you know Clay Holmes is the closer There you never you know he struggled a Lot in the second half last year I wouldn't you know they could be quick to Take a switch there if, if he comes out of the Gate struggling so I wouldn't be Surprised if we see Kane Lee with You know double digit saves this year
1: yeah, wouldn't wouldn't mind seeing it as long as it uh, like I said, it's Yankees lack that uh that great back end name where it's you know they don't have the Araldus Chapman of the past or you know, Mariano Rivera, but they have a bunch of reliable arms with Holmes, Loisaga, Kane, Canley, Peralta, etc. So I'm excited for it and it wouldn't shock me if the Yankees still make some sort of move depending on who's the mark. We know Liam Hendricks is still out there. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's gonna be what they do, but it wouldn't shock me if we get breaking news at some point that The Yankees pulled the trigger on that and got that uh, back-end ninth inning guy. But for now, it's a committee. With Clay Holmes probably in the lead. Next two guys I want to group together because they're in teams where we kind of know who their their closer is. It's with Colorado and Baltimore. Pierce Johnson signs a one-year $5 million deal with the Colorado Rockies. And Michael Givens signs a one-year $5 million deal with the Baltimore Orioles. We know they're both going to be behind... Felix Bautista and Daniel Bard, respectively, in those bullpens. But, Jake, do either of them have viability for holds leagues? Do either of them have a shot to supplant the current closer? You know, are you keep monitoring any of those guys or are they just, you know, death pieces for a bullpen?
3: Uh, I will start off with Pierce Johnson because I am more sure of that one. Not only do I think he's got lots of flaws, but he's going to. The worst ballpark for pitchers so that already gives me lots of pause when it comes to considering him in any sort of format at all but also it's the Rockies <laughs> they give me no confidence at all with anything that they do so I think whenever they're <laughs> interested in a player that's probably a bad thing for that player so I would definitely stay as far away from whoever they are acquiring this offseason so that's my thoughts on Pierce Johnson I think Michael Givens is very solid I think the Orioles bullpen is actually pretty stacked and they've shown a very good ability to create new bullpen arms that turn out really well. We've seen with like uh Siano Perez coming over from the Astros and actually becoming one of the better relievers. After he struggled there, he had a 1.40 ERA last year, and they were able to, you know, turn Jorge Lopez into an all-star and Felix Bautista looks like the next closer of the future. So I think they have tons of options out there, and I think Michael Gibbons is just going to be a really solid setup guy. I think he's been a closer in the past, so like he's obviously got the ability and the experience there. But I'm not going to be super interested in him, but I think he's going to be a very solid option, and I'm sure sure there's going to be some days where in a daily points league where you have your star. Arts Limited that I'm going to consider Michael Givens as somebody that might be able to steal a save one day when Felix Bautista has fished three days in a row or whatever. Mm. But that's a very specific circumstance to be putting a guy on a fantasy team.
1: And before we head to break, I do want to jump in on this this final you know final two guys before we head and break. We'll blitz the uh, the last couple moves, but two moves for the Arizona Diamondbacks: Miguel Castro signs a one year three point five million dollar deal. Scott McGow signs a two year six point two five million dollar deal. I don't know too much about him, but they join a very crowded Arizona Diamondback bullpen. So I want to get both your opinions about that because of how crowded it is, and then. I have my opinion that I want to throw out there. Cause I had the Ian Kennedy call of last year of the diamond bowl. And I think one of these two guys are going to be my Ian Kennedy for this year, but I'll let you know at the end of uh, your guys takes, but do either of these two um, guys jump into the Arizona save conversation or, you know, do any of them have some sort of a intrigue to you? Uh,
2: me, I see. I don't know enough about Miguel yet. I'm interested mm-hmm. to see, you know, see what he looks like in, in the spring. Um, because that's definitely the the dark horse, the sleeper here, because uh, of the unknown, I guess. And they gave him a good chunk of, of money here, so I think they're really re- they're going to rely on him in a setup role at the very least. So, yeah, that bullpen's really. I don't know. It's so hard to make a prediction on who, who's going to be closing out games here. Um, but yeah, I, I, Castro is uh, someone who's really interested like intrigued me in the past. He kind of struggled last year. You know, had some health health issues too, but there's uh there's there's some there's some stuff to work with there. If he can um you know put it together, he could he's got the the makings of a potential closer, but it's just so crowded there. I don't it's
3: tough to make a call right now.
1: Yeah. Jake, you yeah. got anything extra you want to add about these
3: guys? Sure. Yeah, I think there's just so many mediocre options out here that it's hard to figure out who which one of the mm-hmm. Sort of uninspiring options are going to run away with the job. I think I agree with Rick that Nago is probably the one that you want to keep your eye on. I think we'll learn a lot from him as soon as spring training starts. Like you can sort of tell what a reliever has from just a couple, uh, appearances. So I think that's, that's what we'll be waiting for to see, you know, how hard is he throwing? What, what do his off speed pitches look like? And from there, we'll be able to decide. You know what kind of pitcher he's going to be going forward. I wouldn't put too much faith in him right now because they do seem to really love Mark Melanson for some reason and they have an all star in Joe Pantherfly <laughs> as well. And I think Kevin Ginkle has been seen as the closer of the future for a while. But I think because he's not like arbitration eligible, so his salary is not going to change based off his performance, that sort of gives him somewhat of a leg up. I think what would probably happen is Melanson gets traded at the deadline and then Mago ends up as the closer in the second half if he performs well, which Based off what he did in Japan the last two years, he had a 2.52 ERA in 2021 and a 2.35 ERA the year in 2022. And those came with more than 30 saves in each of those seasons. So he's got the ability to close out games. It'll just be what kind of stuff is he featuring in his mid 30s?
1: I'm going to say this now Miguel Castro will be my a- Ian Kennedy of this year. He's always had the stuff like you guys have said. He's now going and it's just been controlling. His walk rates were always astronomically high. He's now going to experience pitching coach with Brent Strom, who, you know, mm-hmm. if anyone can try and settle that down, I think it could be Strom. So I'm going to be intrigued in Castro. He'll likely be a f- late final round pick for me. in a lot of drafts as a speculative save guy to start the season. It may be a quick drop, but I think if that Strom has the uh, potential to figure this out for, for Castro, and that might make him someone you look at with closer stuff in the back end of a team that, you know, is starting to make their way back up there. They're kind of mediocre. They could be hovering around 500 this year, which could give some save opportunities. So I'm intrigued. I think, like you said, I'm going to be monitoring Castro close in spring training, see what his stuff looks like, see if, you know, Strom has had some sort of impact in terms of a harnessing that control and kind of lowering that walk rate. So I'll be monitoring him closely, but I'm going to have some shares of Castro for a speculative save guy at this point in the, uh, in the off season. So we're going to take another break before we get to a, Final blitz through of the remaining moves you want to talk about and just uh, you know try and cover it. And we'll talk about a couple remaining free agents that have some intrigue when we get back here on the In The Pen podcast. And we're back here on the In The Pen podcast. I am Callen, joined with Jake and with Rick. We're going to blitz through some of these final moves. I'm going to just run through the final, a couple of signings that we wanted to touch upon. You guys will both will tell me if any of them have any sort of intrigue to me. Then we'll run through the trades and do the same thing. So final couple of signings. Brad Boxberger signs a one year, $2.8 million deal with the Chicago Cubs. Harlan Garcia signs a one year, $2.5 million deal with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And Joel Rodriguez went to the Red Sox for one year, $2 million. Jake, we'll start with you. Do any of these matter for fantasy?
3: I think knowing me, you would know which one I'm going to pick out. It's going to be the former giant, Yarlene Garcia. I think he's been one of the most underrated relievers across the past few years. I wouldn't say his underlying metrics are super promising, but he has really been incredible since coming over to San Francisco. Since he arrived there in 2020, he's pitched to a 2.84 ERA across 152 innings. It does come with a 4.12 xFIP, so there's not a lot there to get you excited about, but I think the Pirates have a pretty solid pitching development which has sort of come up in the last couple of years they were able to develop a couple pretty solid relievers last year so I think he joins a a bullpen where he's not going to be counted on as the closer but he could sneakily move into a high leverage role if they can figure out how to maintain that success and I think with Brad Boxberger and Jolie Rodriguez I think they're just going to be sort of more back end of the bullpen, I think Boxberger's got a higher chance of getting a lot of holds. He's done that pretty well in Milwaukee the past couple of years, but I think they're going to be not on too many people's fantasy radar.
1: Rick, any differing opinion?
3: Um, I
2: agree with the Jarlin uh, Garcia take because yeah, the Pittsburgh. You know, there's not a lot of options there outside of, um, you know, the top of their the top back end of their bullpen so there there could be some there's, there could be some value there uh I like the Jolie signing for the Red Sox it's you know for the value I, I think he was one of the most um you know unlucky pitchers in baseball last year so I'm hoping th- that turns around but I don't think there's going to be any save chances there and probably not a ton of holds you know opportunities right away uh, Boxberger is kind of interesting just because of that bullpen. He's definitely got the most experience closing experience in that bullpen right now. So I, I know I, I like Brandon Hughes. I I liked how we finished the season last year. I would love to see him get a full year as the closer there, but they might, you know, look elsewhere. They might look to a veteran. You know, they've, they made a lot of moves for this, this offseason, So they're gonna, they're looking to win now. And you know, that might mean they're, They'll start the season with a veteran like Boxberger in the closer role, but he was—he definitely took a step backwards last year overall. And I, I don't think I would draft him anywhere, but someone to keep an eye on, depending on you know what what the situation looks like in March there.
1: Yep, I agree with you. I, I'm kind of intrigued about Boxberger at this point. Anyone who throws for the Pirates has some interest because I, I don't know what their back end's going to look like. But with the Cubs, like you said, they're trying to win now. They've made some moves to win now. And are back into in the bullpen is very young. So I like you said, Boxberger is the one who intrigues me the most, someone I'm monitoring. And maybe I'll take a, a late round flyer on him in a league just to hope you get the Cubs closer. But, you know, it's, it's a it's a very late round, you know, hit or quit quick ons. But I'll monitor Boxberger. He has some interest to in me. Uh, just on that, we'll head over to the trades. You mentioned it. Brooks Raley got traded to the New York Mets from the Tampa Bay Rays. Eric Swanson traded from the Seattle Mariners to the Toronto Blue Jays in the Teoscar Hernandez trade. Joe Jimenez went to the Atlanta Braves from the Detroit Tigers. JP Fireyzen. Finally left Tampa. He goes to the Los Angeles Dodgers. JT Chargo also leaves Tampa and goes to the Miami Marlins. And then the Brewers acquire Jill Piamps and Javi Guerra. Rick, once again, we'll start with you this time. Do any of these trades, you know, present some fantasy viability? I know none of them jump into immediate closer, but are anyone a name you want to monitor for holds or kind of a, you know, an intriguing sleeper saves candidate?
2: Nothing, no saves. Well, I guess FireEyes and once he gets healthy, but that's he, he's going to miss most of the year. Um, but I mean, I really I like all I like pretty much everyone you n- mentioned here. I like Rayleigh Swanson and Jimenez as uh, they're very, you know, I think they're all in my top 20, 25 list for um, for holds. So, you know, for setup up guys. Um, and I think Swanson, he, he's going to have more chances in Toronto. He should be their clear cut eighth inning guy ahead of, uh, behind Romano that shouldn't even be in question. So, you know, Seattle, they, they had so many options that he, you know, didn't get a ton of, he didn't get like as many holds opportunities as he could have. So, um, Jimenez, it'd be interesting to see how he does in, in Atlanta, he really broke out last year, um, that's that's one of those trades that you just I, I think when I saw it, I was like, this just makes a ton of sense for both teams. I like it for both teams. Um he should slot in as a setup guy behind, you know, Minter or Glacius there. So those uh those two should have, have a little bit more value than they did last year. With I think they should have they should both see more holds opportunities, but uh I don't see a ton of save chances here with any of this
3: this group.
1: Jake, who's the most interesting to you for from this list of uh, trade candidates that you're you're looking to monitor this year?
3: I would say the most interesting from a fantasy perspective in 2023 would be Eric Swanson. I think he was really underrated last year. He was actually had one of the better relief seasons in the league, which was due to the fact that he struck out 34% of batters and struck out 5% of batters. And that came with a 1.68 ERA. And I think that really went under the radar. It's crazy that they were able to trade him straight up for Teoscar. I think it's a interesting deal for both sides, but Swanson is really good. And that Toronto bullpen is not super great. They don't have a ton of great options. I think Swanson probably has the highest upside out of everybody outside of Romano. So if Romano deals with injuries or ineffectiveness that is bound to happen with, You know, people pitching with such small uh, sample sizes that, you know, there's a possible that he hits a rough patch and they they let Swanson get in there. But I think he'll probably be the top setup guy there as well. And the Blue Jays should be pretty good. So I think Swanson could be pretty interesting. But I think everything that Rick said about Joe Jimenez is pretty crazy. The Braves just can't keep getting away with this. I I don't know who keeps letting them (laughs) get everybody. And uh, we don't even need to talk about the Sean Murphy deal. But yeah, that and... uh, gosh. Yeah, I was interested in Brooks Raley, and then there was the whole fiasco with the Rays bullpen and the, you know, I I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. So I liked him until that. And then I think the last thing I'll say amongst these trade guys is that Fyreisen is going to lead the major leagues in saves in
1: 2024.
3: Ooh, I like that (laughs) call. He's always had great they're going to do something. He didn't he didn't allow a run last year. I feel like everybody forgets that the Dodgers are going to make him some just a crazy reliever or something.
1: Yeah, it's probably. It's what the Dodgers do. But I remember when Joe Jimenez was this uh closer to the future in Detroit. So exciting for for fantasy. And like you said, he finally broke out this year. So that's pretty exciting. So I'll be monitoring that. I do like what you guys said about Swanson, and he probably would be the most exciting because you don't trade a two-time silver slugger like Teoscar Hernandez for you know, back end reliever. Unless you have plans to make him a, a key part of your pen, so I'll be monitoring that closely. You like said no one's that intriguing for saves. Are probably late round if you need holds, K's kind of thing. But you know, monitor these guys closely. They may be a uh, you know down the line, uh, You know, a sneaky save candidate maybe eventually. So before we wrap things up, I wanted to just run through some top running free agents. I'm not going to go through to people who are left, but we'll start with you, Jake. Of some of you guys who are still out there for, uh, for, for free agency, is there anybody who I know it really is team dependent, so we can't get too interested in it. But who, which you know, couple names are you monitoring closely in terms of uh, you know, being a save candidate or would intrigue you the most if they went somewhere where saves are available?
3: I think there are a couple obvious answers to this question with Taylor Rogers still Mm -hmm. being available as probably the top lefty free agent available. And I think Craig Kimbrell is one of the most storied closers uh, in, in modern baseball right now. And we've got other, you know, more controversial guys like Chapman and and etc. So I, I think I'll go elsewhere. I'm sort of excited to see where Alex Reyes and Michael Fulmer end up. I think Alex Reyes has probably the most potential here. And the only thing that ever holds him back is his health history. So I think if a team can figure out a way to keep him healthy and keep the walks down, he could be a really interesting option. And I think Michael Fulmer is somebody that has really come a long way since his rookie of the year award winning season. Uh, and transferred to the bullpen exceptionally. So I think he could be a really underrated signing, especially for a smaller market team that doesn't really have a locked-in closer right now. I think he could slide right into a closer role and really be really good. And I think the last guy I'm sort of interested to see is Zach Britton. I know it's been a while since he's been really good, but we all know what kind of potential he has. I think if he gets a setup role for a team that can sort of keep his workload light i think he could have a really good season so it'll be interesting to see if he ends up with a com- uh a, a team that's trying to be competitive and and if he can sort of capitalize on, on an opportunity like that
1: rick anyone else you're you're looking into this uh this offseason that you want to keep an eye out there landing spot
2: yeah i think you start with the the lefties on here i'm surprised that they're still available rogers chafin even Matt Moore uh, had a had a really good year in the bullpen last year. Um, and yeah, Britain. I, I'm also interested in Britton, how, how he can bounce back. And Will Smith, too, for, you know, he was the closer for the, the Braves team that won the World Series two years ago. And um, he didn't, you know, didn't have a great 2022, but, you know, still worth a shot and should make a major league roster somewhere. So those guys and, you know, Chad Green for 2024, I – I feel like he's the type of guy like the Dodgers would sign for a two-year deal and just, you know, bank on 2024 um getting stuff was getting value from him there. So, um that's definitely not looking towards next year, but Chad Green should should get one of those two-year deals and um someone to keep an eye on again in 2024. And before we
1: wrap up, I do want to touch about one part of the rumor. I kind of mentioned it in passing, but Liam Hendricks has been rumored to be available from the Chicago White Sox. I know it's very speculative about whether he you know, would be, but do you guys think that he does get moved? If he does get traded, who do you? Obviously, it could make it a subsequent move, but if, say, Hendricks does get traded, obviously, he'll probably step in as a closer for most spots throughout baseball, except the New York Mets. But if he does get traded, who do you guys like as a, a speculative candidate to lead the White Sox and save if uh, if Hendricks is traded by the time we record next?
2: Probably Kendall Graven, but um, I don't feel great about that i mean he 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 was he was pretty good in his first year with them still doesn't you know doesn't exactly miss bats it's definitely not at the level Hendricks does um but not not at the level i would like to see from a closer um if aaron bummer can can bounce back and stay healthy this year it's another name to keep an eye on and joe kelly was one of the most you know unlucky pitchers in baseball last year as well so um if he could bounce back this year that's you know someone who fits that kind of closer mentality
1: jake anything else you want to add about that do you think he does get traded
3: no no way uh he's got a 2024 club option so there's two years of control there and they would really have to get a pretty big haul to do that and i think they probably have their sights set on making the postseason this year after a couple of disappointing years so i think this would not be the time to trade him I, i could see it happening more for the 2024 season especially if they have another disappointing season but they would really have to get a lot back. I think it would be really funny though if they traded him and then signed Craig Kimbrell after last year's whole (laughs) fiasco. That would be pretty funny.
1: Listen, I'm all for the chaos. I want the crazy things to happen. I want you know, Liam Hendricks traded, and like you said, sign Craig Kimbrell. I want the Red Sox to trade Raphael Devers. This whole Carlos Correa chaos was absolute chaos. I, I want a, some more craziness in this offseason where well, we got the big names up, but let's get the trades going. You know, be, we'll be sure to recap them all throughout the, the rest of the offseason as we get closer and closer to 2023 and draft season. We're only a few, few months away from that. We've actually started on staff to get a, a TGFBI mock going. So, we're slowly getting the draft season and that has crept up on me extremely fast. So Same. yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of the in the pen podcast. I am Callen joined with Rick and with Jake guys, just a re- reminder before we head off, where can they find you on Twitter? If they have uh, even further reliever centric questions or want to, you see someone the work and kind of plug some of the stuff you're doing during the off season for the site.
2: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham, and right now just started to um, get into the initial, you know, our initial reliever rankings for our early February launch.
3: Jake. Oh, sure, you can find me at Jake Crumpler on Twitter. You can also find me writing for BaseballHQ and TheAthletesHub.org. I uh also have another podcast called Free Baseball, which we do every single week. But right now I'm putting out uh fantasy baseball sleepers and busts on pitcher list. I just did the White Sox, so definitely go check that one out. It's three thousand words, so there's a lot to consume there. And I should be doing one later for I can't remember what other team it is. <laughs> uh that's fine. It's coming out in January. And then I I should have some other stuff coming out. I it's it's ramping up, like you've been saying. The offseason is sort of coming to a close and it's time to get into the, the swing of draft season. So I think I'm going to start ramping up the articles pretty soon. So definitely stay tuned. You can find all of my work at crumplerbaseball.com.
1: Yeah. You can find me at Twitter at Callen underscore L I haven't done too much work in the off season. Work has actually been real life. Work has been uh, creeping up on me a bit. So, um, you know, that's, been hit, taken away but i'm sure during 2024 or 2023 head i will be getting some more articles out i'm gonna start getting into my ranks and try and get some sort of sleepers bus sort of thing but once we come back during the new year we'll start getting into some of those rankings that rick was talking about talk about some discrepancies in terms of where we view guys and really start getting into draft and of course keeping you uh recapping some of the other moves because let's face it this offseason still has plenty of surprises in store for us so thanks again for tuning in guys i hope you have a great rest of your holiday season a happy new year and i look forward to talking to you in 2023